welcome to the 11th episode of the Roots to STEM podcast, a podcast where we talk to scientists about the paths they've taken to get where they are today and the lessons they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Steph Katie, here with my co-host, Maggie Warren. This week, we're talking to Priscilla San Juan, a PhD candidate at Stanford's biology department. Priscilla is interested in the gut microbiome of the wildlife and the impact that human activity is having on those microbial communities and the health of the animal hosts. She has had an appreciation of nature since she was a kid, but was unsure what career she should pursue since her interests were so varied. She explored the different topics and opportunities available at her community college and soon realized how fascinated she was with environmental science, the specialty she eventually pursued at UC Irvine. She has continued to explore the different facets of biology, from antibiotic resistance in environmental microbes to her current work in New Zealand, where she is exploring the effects of a captivity on the native kiwi's microbiome and health. One of my favorite things that Priscilla talks about in this episode is how she explored different research avenues to see what she liked. And this ultimately led her to studying bird microbiomes in Tad Fukami's lab at Stanford. But importantly, this exploration also helped her figure out what sorts of research she didn't like so that she could narrow in on the stuff that she really enjoyed. Before we begin our interview with Priscilla, we wanted to let you all know that this will be the last episode of season one of the podcast. We are both PhD students and have this whole little PhD thing to do in addition to this podcast, so we're going to be taking a brief hiatus from the podcast and putting out episodes, but we'll be back soon with more amazing guests and great conversations. And so now, without further ado, please join us in welcoming Priscilla San Juan to the Roots to STEM podcast. Priscilla, welcome to the Roots to STEM podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's just start off with some of the easy questions. Can you tell us who you are, what your job or position is, and what your research is about? Who am I? I am. It's such a deep question. But (laughs) um, STEM-wise, I am, well, I guess person-wise, I'm Priscilla San Juan. I'm a fifth-year PhD candidate in the bio department at Stanford University, and I work closely with you two, actually, so we we have (laughs) meetings together, which is great, and um, I study the gut microbiome of wildlife, and in particular, how human activity can shift those communities, and hopefully trying to get at the question of how does that impact well-being of the individual. Cool. And so can you tell us where you are now, where you've been for the past year and like a little bit about what you're working on there? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually currently in Christchurch, New Zealand um, since actually the beginning of uh, 2020. So I actually got here in the nick of time during all the lockdowns. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. Uh, But the main reason why I'm here actually is to work alongside some local collaborators here, so New Zealand scientists. And uh, so I work with a researcher here at Manaki Fenoa Land Care Research. So I work with Manpreet Dami, who's a researcher here. She's a molecular ecologist, and um, she actually used to work at Stanford as a postdoc in our lab, and that's kind of how we connected. And we're both interested in microbial communities and She knows that I have been doing work with bird microbiomes. And because I've done bird microbiome work, me and Manpreet connected and we are interested in working together and we both thought of a project together and what bird should we study in New Zealand? Because she she works here, obviously. And we're like Mm -hmm. the most iconic one, the brown kiwi, which is like (laughs) the national 
icon um so iconic oh, wow. that they refer to the people as kiwis so <laughs> oh wow i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about like what a day in the life looks like like when you're in the field and then what a day in the life like in the lab looks like for you yeah so let's see for when i was collecting samples at the national kiwi hatchery so it's basically kind of like a um, it's called like a wildlife park kind of thing. So, um, it's not quite a zoo, but it's akin to a zoo. And then they have a separate section where it's like, where they house all the Kiwis and they, um, cause they have this like special program to help with, um, basically restoring brown Kiwi populations. Mm-hmm. So they basically get these eggs from the wild and then they uh, bring them to captivity and they incubate them until they hatch and they raise them so that they're strong and healthy to defend against predators. So they have like a bunch of these kiwis and they're all in either big wooden boxes or they're out in these outdoor pens. And basically in the morning I'd wake up pretty early head to the National Kiwi Hatchery. I used to commute by bus because I'm uh, oh, still kind of scared to drive on the, the left side of the road. <laughs> but I've gotten used to it now because it's been like a year. <laughs> but initially I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Um, and uh, go to, so there's like three sections. So there's the hatch room, which is like the very new uh, hatchlings of the little baby oh. kiwi oh. and that's like kept super clean I'm not allowed in there so okay. um, but the the staff was super kind and they they collected some samples for me in that room oh great and I collected samples in this room called the brooder room which is um so it's a like maybe a few days after they hatched uh, they, they're stored in these like pretty big decent sized brood in boxes, I wouldn't, maybe the size of a table or something, like a dining mm-hmm. table. Um, and I would go, I, I open the box and I look around basically searching for a nice little sample. <laughs> um, and I use this little sterile spatula and then I scoop it into a little tube filled with ethanol and I freeze that until I'm ready to process it basically. And um, what's great about like working with captive kiwis that they have so much data on like each individual, like Mm. meticulous, like details of like, how much does this kiwi weigh today? How much did this kiwi eat today? And like, was it probing around in the soil? Did it make a mess in the food bowl? And like things like that. So, (laughs) So it's amazing for kind of connecting more of like the microbiome data to these other, uh, body measurements, potentially health mm-hmm. uh, associated measurements. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the field, it's it's similar in the field. So like when I'm looking at wild kiwis, you wake up early as well, maybe a bit, little bit earlier than what you would do in captivity. And uh, you just kind of walk around the forest or the pastures and you just keep looking down, basically. Looking for poop. Basically, it's like, a, you know, they have truffle hunters. So it's just basically like, I'm a poo hunter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should get like a trained, is it for truffles? Do they have like, is it little pigs that do the I hunting? Think yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my just gosh. like train a little pig to help find the poo for me. No, it's oh, <laughs> so cute. That'd be amazing. <laughs> But basically, um, because it's in the wild, a lot of people are like, well, how do you really know it's like a kiwi poo? Mm-hmm. 
trust me you know (laughs) (laughs) basically it's like it's pretty distinct looking and distinct smelling basically so Mm. uh it's a little uh i wouldn't say gross it's gross to other people but to me i'm like uh this is what you do in the field so so if you (laughs) want to really verify it you kind of get closer and you give it a little (laughs) a little whiff uh, maybe the wafting test like they teach you in chemistry but um, <laughs> um yeah it has like a little chemically chemical scent to it which like oh yeah it's like it's really i don't know if it's like ammonia or something it's like it's a very distinct smell so you're like nope that's kiwi poo you know it is so what got you interested in this area of work like were you interested in birds in microbes sort of like ecology generally and then this is where you ended up in that, or like how did you get here <laughs> yeah sometimes i ask myself that too no <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny how like um you're like just like oh my god it's funny how we're like life takes you but like um <laughs> really though um yeah, I've always liked science growing up. Um, I guess I guess it's more of like a, a love and appreciation for the environment and nature. That's kind of like how it really started. Like, um, you know, some a lot of ecologists sometimes you talk to, they're like, oh yeah, I went camping a lot as a kid or um, things like that. And I'm like, I don't think I really did that, but I still like had like a connection to nature um, in a way. And um but even with that, I still had some like fluctuations in like what I was interested in, in terms of like, what am I going to do for a career? Like starting in high school, like, mm-hmm. um, like I like science, but I was like, oh, maybe I like history or maybe I like economics. And then maybe it was when I took environmental science where I was like, oh, actually I really like this. So, mm-hmm. and at that point I basically pursued a environmental science degree at the University of California, Irvine. So that's in Southern California in Orange County. And um, yeah, pursued that and I really liked it. And, but I also really liked the biological aspect. Um, so environmental science kind of like, you could even think of it as like an interdisciplinary field with mm-hmm. physical sciences and life sciences. Um, but I really like the biological aspect. and that's when I started getting more involved in research at the university level. So I worked with microbes. That's so that's my first exposure to microbes. So Mm -hmm. in undergrad, I worked in a lab that studied antibiotic resistance and environmental microbes. So uh, samples were collected from uh, local beaches or local streams and looking at if environmental microbes are like a reservoir for antibiotic resistance. And that's really cool. So <clears throat> I really like that. And, you know, I tried different labs and have done different programs and I'm actually quite grateful for these programs that I've participated in. So they were, the first one was a uh, Bridges to Baccalaureate program, which I believe is an NIH program. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was a program that I did when I was in community college. So I oh. had like a, I guess a non-traditional route of like um, going from high school to community college for a few years, then transferred. Where so, did you go to community college? Uh, it's called Fullerton College in okay. uh, Orange County. And um, 
And so that's kind of like how I was exposed to a bit more stuff. So I took an, like, I really like the biology classes there, actually. I don't know if it's because of like how community colleges are structured, where there's smaller classroom sizes and the professors are dedicated to teaching. Mm-hmm. So you like are actually not that you're not learning at other institutions, but, <laughs> but like, it's, it's a different experience uh, mm-hmm. from like mm-hmm. a giant lecture hall with like a hundred, 200 people. So yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard from multiple people that we've talked to on the mm-hmm. podcast and went to community college. That's just very different. Like you yes. can see the fact that like at an R1 institution, research is a priority and not teaching. Like that comes through okay. when yes, you compare the, the classes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because you gain different kinds of, you learn different things at different institutions. Like research is like, uh, because like the, they don't have the infrastructure at community colleges, so you don't really get that. But you get that when you go to an R1 or when if you go mm-hmm. to an R1. Um, and that's but at my community college, we had this like really neat program called like Engage in STEM. And they had like different workshops that like focus on different things. So um, there's like they went to the observatory or like um, cool. some of my favorite ones were like going to the um, Marine Mammal Rehabilitation Center, which is really cool, like where they take in like sick uh, sea seals and sea lions and they, you know, Mm -hmm. take care of them and release them. I know, it's like, oh, this is so cool. learning about phytoplankton, collecting phytoplankton from beaches and studying them and learning about different taxonomy, um, just like different workshops like that. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I like biology. <laughs> it wasn't like a <laughs> light bulb moment, but it was just like a reinforcement moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you started talking about this Bridges to Baccalaureate program. Yes, Could you talk yes. a little bit more about what that is? Yes, yes. So um, it tar- it's tar- uh, meant for community college students. So um, it's like a summer research program uh, where they train you in different biomedical techniques. So like um, doing research, like using pipettes and uh, doing PCRs and gels and all the things that I use still today. So very Mm -hmm. useful, (laughs) honestly, like um, it was a great experience. They, um, I guess, shout out to Dr. Model Bravo and Dr. Dela Cruz. They were the directors at uh, M- MSP, which is the the poll program, which is minority science programs. Mm-hmm. So they they run all these uh, kinds of different programs, like Mark, um, which is maximizing access to research careers, which is also another NIH program. And um, so I did that program. So I applied for it. I got in. I was like, yay! Like it's awesome. So. Um, then I did the summer research program, learned so much, like not just in terms of like technical skills, but also like we had journal clubs and like saw a lot of science talks. And Mm. basically my real introduction into like what research was and what research, like what a research career would entail. Mm -hmm. And like um, also learning that I think that was probably at the point where I learned that you didn't have to do a master's to go do a PhD. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I learned that. I was like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? which like, you know, it's better to learn at some point than I guess not at all. But like, it was great to, to know that. And I was like, oh, yeah. cool. So uh, I had such a good experience there that I decided to transfer there as well. 
because I was mm-hmm. deciding so between that at UC Irvine then, that research? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, transferred there and continued under the MSP, the Minority Science Program. And um, it was great because like you're under one of these fellowships. So it's like either Mark or um, MBRS, which I, I'm blanking on the, the, the long name of it because that's the acronym. It's a similar program as Mark. Um, and you, you continue doing research. They give you a stipend or a scholarship to pay part of your tuition. And uh, they have journal clubs and different workshops and like basically designed to, to help you apply for graduate programs. Of like yeah. PhD programs. So we had help with did the GRE, had help with my statement of purpose. Um, it was great. And they always pair you with like a good mentor. Um, and I had worked in a few different labs. So, wow. Like I'm just like, I'm thinking back of like what, what else I've done, but they, I ended up in a Another program, which is under that big umbrella called Mm -hmm. the MERT program, which is um, International Research Training Program, was a great opportunity to do research at a different institution. So um, I remember that year I was applying to different ones. I think I was applying to like REUs and stuff, which is the Mm -hmm. research experiences for undergrads, which I believe is a NSF, I want to say, program. So I applied for a bunch of those and was deciding like what I wanted to do. And uh, it was either do a research experience at Stanford actually. So I was like, oh, I'd really want to go here. Like, but like this other opportunity was also great, um, which is an opportunity to go to London in the UK, which is like, I don't know if I'll ever have access to even go to Europe. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so yeah, it was quite difficult because uh, I remember I was contemplating because I was like, because like I th- at the time I was like, I'd love to go to Stanford for grad school. So I think like doing this REU might help me. And mm. I was like kind of conflicted. But my um, advisor was telling me to that it would be it's also going to be a great experience in the UK. So um, yeah. and I was like, you're right. Like, when will I ever have the opportunity to do that? Um like get a stip- a research stipend to go to a different country and do that. It's like, yeah. a, and also just the opportunity in general to travel because a lot of the times that's inaccessible financially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, there's like another opportunity, like a life opportunity in addition to like a career opportunity. So mm-hmm. that was a great experience as well, working at King's College London, which was like right in the middle of the city. So that was cool. really great. And going with yeah. a cohort of people that were also in, the minority science programs and kind of going through that together, experiencing like a different place together. And uh, that was really great. And I studied C. elegans there. So it's like, what? Well, how'd you go from like <laughs> antibiotic resistance to C. elegans? And um, but I honestly, it's like the best way to do things is like kind of dip your toes in different subjects and topics and like really kind of hone in on what you really like like you won't really know until you do it and then you're like ah yeah this is cool (laughs) so yeah but yeah that was great and I had like really good uh, mentor there she's a PhD student at the time Sana she was have her on Facebook she's (laughs) but she's she's really nice Um, (laughs) um, yeah and 
after that, I think I was maybe a junior. So I probably had like another year or so. So then at that time, it was like time to start thinking about where you want to apply to grad school. And mm -hmm. I was just so lucky to have to be in this program that had all these resources to help me. And um, even going to like conferences like SACNAS, mm -hmm. uh, the Society for Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans in Science, and Abercams, which is the annual biomedical research conference for minority students. So I feel like I need to, because <laughs> there's so many acronyms in academia, it's just so confusing. But um, yeah, these are huge conferences that have like a huge undergrad um, attendance and they have a lot of booths, like each institution has a booth and they can give you um, like fee waivers for uh, grad school applications. So, I think mm. when I went to Sacnos, I was like collecting them, like, yeah, I'll yeah. take them. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I applied, I remember applying to like, I want to say 12 schools oh. or something like that. I was like so scared. I was like, oh my God, what if I don't get in anywhere? And like, I just like applied to like so many schools. I emailed so many people like, um, so I emailed like professors personally. I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I like your work. Can, can you can you accept me now? But <laughs> I wasn't like that. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it was a time for sure. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's good to have like a supportive community and also like all these resources that help me along the way. Um, but yeah, and then got into Stanford and you know that was that was amazing I was just I remember during interviews it was like rain it may have been raining I can't quite remember so it's like 2016 <laughs> it was a dark gloomy day no it wasn't but <laughs> but I remember walking around the main quad area and I'm looking around and I'm like oh I really, I really hope I can come here like I don't know it was like really yeah. a good experience and and here I am yeah so at one point you at the very beginning, you talked about like having a connection to nature that you like always felt as a kid. And I'm wondering if you know sort of where that came from. Yeah, I, I can't really think of like a like an oh inspiring like origin story of like that's fair nature. Um, but I did. I mean, when I was a kid, like my grandma took me to the Philippines. So. Um, my background is I'm half Filipino, half Mexican. And when I was about four, I want to say she took me to the Philippines and we stayed there for a few months. I even did like a little bit of schooling there. So, oh, wow. um, and then the environment there is very different from what I can remember. It's very tropical and, um, mm -hmm. the, maybe that has to do because it's like an early memory forming thing that was implanted in my brain at this time. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> talked about this like a little bit in terms of your involvement with these different um, programs specifically directed towards minorities. And then you just talked about how you're half Filipino, half Mexican. But mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit more about how the different identities that you have have influenced your life as a scientist and sort of like your trajectory in science. It seems like in some ways it's been good in terms of like, you know, being involved in these different programs. But I imagine there's been some probably not so like, you know, favorable sides of it too. Yeah. It's so interesting in like how identity comes into different things like science. And I feel like maybe for me, a lot of it is like, a, like a social aspect and like how I interact with people. So I guess let me elaborate on that. Cause that was super vague, but um, <laughs> because I'm biracial, um, 
uh, I, so I'm biracial, but I was raised by my mother, who is Filipino, and mm-hmm. um, I present very Mexican. So like, mm-hmm. at least like in my interactions with people, people like automatically assume, which is like, right, because I am Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So, like they look at me and they start talking in Spanish and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I always feel so awkward. Like I, and then it like feeds into this, like, um, not insecurity, but like maybe insecurity about it because I present it. So I, I look the part, but I don't have like the, the aspects to fit that criteria criteria, mm-hmm. but you still get treated that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it gets like, it can get like upsetting because like you hear like, pretty racist stuff like about um both groups but like I used to hear it a lot about Mexicans and um and it's not very encouraging so it's just like you're like oh that was wrong but I'm gonna internalize it and maybe have it bother me later (laughs) like uh and how that plays into like imposter syndrome and um like am I being am I doing all this right am I am I okay at the level that I'm at? Like, am I behind or, uh, because of like certain comments that are made about like a, like a group of people, like it just doesn't make sense. But, um, so that can like put a damper on like how you do research and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you just have to, um, not, not seek validation. That's not the right word, (laughs) but like (laughs) you hopefully have like a great support structure where they, basically um amp you up because they know you they see what work you're doing they know you're doing a great job and just acknowledging that is like really helpful so because it's like you you get reminded you're like yeah that's right i am doing good work and i am i am doing great well no that's the same thing great work good work (laughs) but um yeah it's just really good to get you know, acknowledgement for, for the stuff that you're doing. And, um, especially from like, not just peers, but even advisors and, um, other professors that you might interact with. And it's really great to to hear that because like you've been for years been hearing like negative stuff. So you're just like, Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um, so when you hear the good stuff, you're like, okay, yeah. Phew. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll hold you off for a little bit until you hear the the next, the next thing. (laughs) But yeah, I guess that, that can, I wouldn't say it's an inhibitory thing because you have to, um, look past it. So it doesn't make it okay, obviously. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. um, make it acceptable that people say inappropriate things like that. Uh, so, but you just have to kind of like, not accept that it's happening, but you're like, tell yourself like, no, that's not true. Uh, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm doing a good job. My colleagues and my advisors and people I work with know I'm go- doing a good job and that's what matters. So it's just, mm-hmm. you know, baseless comments from those people. Yeah. 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 which sucks <laughs> yeah yeah it does yeah yeah and it's good to be like uh, I try to be patient with like certain people like that it depends on like the nature of the comment because like um like sometimes it's like pure ignorance or um but it shouldn't be our responsibility either to like teach them like it's like some stuff is like come on you shouldn't be saying that like <laughs> like come on <laughs> like um yeah but you know, people learn things at different times and, um, you just have to move forward and hopefully 
uh, being an academic in the future and like leading a lab or being or even just being a research leader in um, a company or a government lab or whatever like you can bestow like that patience and kindness and understanding to all, all people of all kinds of backgrounds and hopefully not perpetuate this cycle of stereotypes and mm-hmm. racism <laughs> and yeah let's be just we're just trying our best really <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so when you look back on like your journey from you know a kid to now <laughs> um, were there certain moments that you like weren't sure what you were going to do and had to like make some big decisions about you know like pursuing science or doing other things or was it sort of a straight path (laughs) oh yeah there's always like some confusions with like big life events like that like I would consider going to grad school like a big life decision because Mm -hmm. like you're committing like five plus years so it's like um yeah of course I had some feelings mixed feelings about it um mostly because I'm like, what else am I going to do? Not that I was just like, oh, I guess I'll go to grad school. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. But but honestly, it's like, you just have to look at the things that you do know. And one is like, I really like research. And like, mm-hmm. what way to do that is basically get your PhD and you can keep doing research forever. So mm-hmm. like, like, I consider myself like a... a a perpetual student basically I think in, in academic and in, in academia you're just constantly learning and like I really like that mm-hmm. like um you're on the forefront of like learning knowledge about a particular subject that no one really el- no one else really knows because mm-hmm. um, I was like thinking about it the other day I'm like there's not many people that look at the kiwi microbiome I think there's like two people <laughs> like <laughs> and like I think I've been doing it a bit longer so it's like I, it sounds like a, not a narcissistic thing, but like a conceited thing to be like, I think I'm like the expert on kiwi microbiome in the world right now. And like, yeah, own that. I know, I know, which is like pretty wild to like, like vocalize that in that those extreme words. But um, yeah, because you're just basically working at something for like a long time you just by default know a little bit more about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah. like, I don't know if that, if any of you seen that meme with like the circle of like no knowledge. And then like, I think it's like a PhD and then you like zoom in to the edge of the circle and it's like a little blip of like, cause you make the knowledge just like a little bit and you just knit the general knowledge of everything, you know, a little bit more and then you put your work out there and everyone will kind of know about it. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I mean, honestly, every time you get data, like any new piece of data that's like more information that literally no one else knows mm-hmm. like if you have like you know you get your sequencing data like it spits out you know it's on your computer like and you're looking at it like literally you're the only person that knows that <laughs> yeah. which is pretty cool like yeah. honestly yeah. yeah sometimes it can be a bit hard to be like kind to yourself it's like so easy to be nice to other people but then like we're always so self-critical um and that's fine to an extent because you you want to push yourself to the next level or whatever. But it, it's good to be patient and kind to yourself. Which mm-hmm. is, you know. yeah, yeah, and admit your successes and own them because there are people out there who do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It means that you should. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit, um, how do you, like, take care of yourself? Yeah, I think, like, 
health in terms of like both physical and mental um spiritual well-being is super important like um so physically um i try to be i'm not like a gym gym rat is that the saying gym Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that sounds kind of mean but gym person (laughs) i mean there's nothing against rats rats are pretty cool so um a gym person but occasionally i try i do so i have a gym membership and i try to go as often as i can um because working out or have some physical outlet whether it's like going out for a walk or going out for a hike um going to the beach just walking on the sand or whatever that is a good way to like release a bunch of energy especially if you have like anxious energy so for me like i have like a lot of like my mind is sometimes like this like I know it's a audio, a visual, it's not a visual medium. I'm sorry. It's like, I'm making gestures with my hands to suggest that I have racing thoughts sometimes. (laughs) So, um, and a good way really is to get on like an elliptical or something and just like go at it for like half an hour just to release a lot of that energy Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. or going for a nice relaxing walk and looking at just listening to the sounds like, the other day I went to the beach actually, and it was like really nice. It was like, it wasn't that crowded. And like, mm-hmm. I, I brought a book and I just kind of read on the beach and just listened to the waves oh. and it was just great. So those are some ways that, so that's not just like a physical um, being way because like you're moving your body around, but also like a mental way. Cause like you mm-hmm. the noise of the ocean is like almost like a white noise thing. So it like helps like clear your mind, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and like mental health wise, um, I started going to therapy. So that's always a good way, honestly, just talking. So mm-hmm. talking with friends, um, sharing like your experiences with other people and whether that includes like a therapist or not, that's, that's up, up to the person. And, um, I started reading this book, which is actually quite great. It's called the book on overthinking, which is like about, mm-hmm. Oh. overthinking so it's like or <laughs> worrisome thinking so about worrying about ruminating so ruminating on the past or worrying about the future like those kinds of hmm. things and kind of teaching you how not so much of like why you're thinking a certain way or and what you're thinking about but like how you're thinking and basically kind of ways to intervene and like the how because the how translates mm-hmm. to like potentially negative spirally thoughts so mm-hmm. um yeah and Try to eat healthy when I can, you know, get that yogurt, get those probiotics, (laughs) some Greek yogurt. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's like pretty much the gist of like things and like, you know, having a support system, having friends to talk to when you need, um, listening to music, you know, it's meditation, which I haven't done in a while, but there's a lot of great like guided meditation because that's always helpful uh, for that kind of stuff. So, so what advice would you give to someone? So I have sort of two parts to this question, but first is like, generally, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in pursuing a career in science? Um, let's see that, uh, I would say just get into it. (laughs) Basically like get your hands or feet, feet wet, your hands wet, your feet wet and um, hands dirty. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Just get into it really. Like, and, and no matter what stage you are as well, like I know more and more high school students seem to be getting involved with research and the main barrier to really 
getting to do that is the is contacting people i imagine because like when i was in high school i didn't know you could just like reach out to people and be like can i like help you with research i'll, I'll just like collect samples or like i don't know just to be involved and in, around that kind of research environment it's like a good start mm-hmm. um and yeah and, and if you're a community college like see if they have similar programs like engage in stem where they have different workshops to kind of like expose you to different research topics and like if you especially if you kind of know like the general idea of like what you want to do you're like oh i like physics so then like maybe look around at physics related things or like biology mm-hmm. um kind of or even volunteer work at like uh so for me like you can be like if, as someone who likes biology and ecology you can um be a docent which is like a tour guide for like a regional park or something and lead hikes just to so you're out in nature and you you learn about the plant species that are around and the animal species um so that's even just like a good way to like get some research well it's like not research in the way that um you know that we do it i don't know if that's but (laughs) just like to get some experience that way um or and helping out at various labs or I don't know if like how easy it is to get experiences at like government labs like the USDA or anything. But the main point is just like reach out, um, look for those opportunities. Um, there's different programs geared for different, I guess, uh, life stages and in, in terms of like what if you're a student or a grad student or undergrad or whatever. So like I didn't mention this, but like when I was in community college, before I did the Bridges to Baccalaureate program, I did this internship called the develop, well, NASA develop program. So basically I worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is in, um, at Caltech. So like, yeah, it was real cool just to even be involved. So, um, but we did a lot of like remote sensing um, using radar data to like predict um, levee seeps. So like levees like along rivers, mm-hmm. because like once those breach, it's like millions of dollars to repair. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I did that and I was like really great experience, but like it kind of like reinforced to me, that was like a learning experience because I was like, oh, this is really cool, but I think I want to do more biology stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's still really valuable because then you learn that, oh, maybe this particular type of research isn't for me. And and mm-hmm. that's that's still really good to, to know. Yeah. So I guess that would be lead into my other piece of advice is just try a bunch of stuff and uh, see which, which avenue you like the best. And if that ends up being bird poo, then you, you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So the like second half of my advice question, which you already sort of touched upon, but do you have any specific advice for people who are in community college who are thinking about pursuing graduate school or, you know, science in general? Yeah. Um, so yeah, see what our existing resources are at your particular institution because they might have like similar programs to like what Fullerton College had. Um, And then maybe even reach out to uh, research universities that are nearby, um, even regional comprehensives like Cal State's. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So like Fullerton College was pretty close to Cal State Fullerton, which is, um, and not too far from UC Irvine. And so there's like a few universities around. So I didn't do this in particular, but it might be a good idea for someone who's at community college that's looking for like a research experience. Um, look around, uh, email around, see like, oh, this lab's really interest does interesting work. I'd love to be involved. Like it doesn't hurt to send a nice little email expressing mm-hmm. your interest and um, willingness to like learn a bunch of things. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, but I guess like, you know, to make, not, not make it worthwhile because, but money does make a difference, especially like for people who aren't doing well financially, like for me, like doing those internships were like really helpful for me. Like not just like in a enriching, like scientific way, but I was like, I'm making money so that I can like live. (laughs) So it's like, and if people are in a similar boat, I'd recommend like looking into different internship programs that have funding to like give you a little stipend for, because internships last like about 10 weeks or so. Uh, Villa Berries, but yeah, that would be a good option for sure. And yeah, and I do think that that's a good point to point out that like some internships or some research positions like won't be paid, um, but that they're they do exist to get paid. And so to like not be discouraged if some of the ones you're finding don't come with any money, and to like keep looking and hopefully you can find something that yes. is a good experience for you, and also you'll get paid doing. And I think that's becoming more common to like pay undergrad. Yes. Yes, uh, definitely. Research systems. Yeah. And, um, I know there's like websites out there, I think pathways to STEM. I have, I would have to double check on the link. Uh, it's like a database. Basically you type in like maybe a field or something, you know, and different opportunities will, will pop up, but there's, there's different databases and websites that, um, probably have similar things. And, um, I guess like another thing I would add is like, don't be afraid to like ask for help. Like if you have like a mentor or someone that you want to be a mentor, like just ask them, like, that's the scary part. It's like that crossing that barrier of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to bother them, but it's like, you won't know until you ask them really. Mm-hmm. So like, I think when I was younger, I was definitely more afraid of that. Cause I didn't want to, you know, bother people, but as an older person, as an older person, but like, <laughs> uh, someone in my retirement age now, um, but <laughs> it's like, uh, like two things about myself, like the older I get is like, one, I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, can we, can you explain it? Or like, I'm not, I don't understand that. And two is like, help me <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, um, which is on par with like not understanding something uh, sometimes. Like, I don't understand that. Can you help me? Uh, so those are two things that I would definitely recommend and it, it's okay. And I'm also like willing to help if like, I'm always like, every time I like talk to younger students, I'm like, please, like you can email me if you need anything. Like I'm like always happy to help because I've gotten like lots of help in my journey. So I'm like, happy to bestow, you know, um, pass it on. What is it? Pass, pay it forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So if people did want to contact you for something like that, what's the best way that they could do that? Um, I guess you can, um, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Priscilla A. S. J. I think that's my username. And, um, I check that occasionally, but I think my like website is linked on there, which should have like my email and stuff. So, Email is always the best. Um, okay. I think email is probably the best. And yeah, like 
even if it's like, what what is that thing you mentioned? Or, um, oh, I saw that you applied for this grant or fellowship. Like, can you give me advice? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'm happy to do that. So, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for doing this. This was awesome. Yes. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks. Thank you again to Priscilla for being here and sharing your story with us. You are so awesome. I really wish I had tried as many things as you had. You can get in touch with Priscilla on Twitter at PriscillaASJ and via her email, which is psanjuan at stanford.edu. And don't worry, we'll include both of these in the show notes as well. As always, please get in touch with us at rootstostempodcast at gmail.com or on our website at rootstostempodcast.com. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend our show to a friend or leave a rating and review on iTunes. Stay tuned for our next episode. And thanks as always for listening. Bye.